Hello once again, it is the Transfer Daily. Adam Leventhal back with you on Thursday the 23rd of January. And we're going to have a dig into one of the surprise packages of this season. Yes, we're talking about Leicester City. Should we actually call them surprise packages? How has their smart recruitment helped them? What impact will Champions League football have on some that are linked with moves away? And much, much more. We'll also be getting to some of your answers to the questions that you've kindly been sending in on Twitter. So thank you very much for those on a whole host of clubs, including uh, David Ornstein on Arsenal, uh, what Jose Mourinho is up to at Tottenham, and is Dimitri Payet really on his way back to West Ham? We'll have Wolves covered for you as well. But let's uh, bring in our Leicester reporter, Rob Tanner, who joins us. Rob, it's uh, great to have you with us. Also the host of the 5,000 to 1 podcast. Life is good at Leicester at the moment, isn't it? Well, it's certainly better now they've uh, got that victory against West Ham United and then did their little blip. But uh, now they're back on course and uh, they, they will look more like their usual selves last night. And in terms of the, I suppose, the, the main subplot to the game, and maybe that will draw more attention than the actual result itself, is the, the injury to Jamie Vardy. How severe is it? Well, it's being assessed, but it's not a hamstring, which is a great relief to Brendan Rodgers because he's been in such magnificent form this season. It is a a, a little pull in his gluteus, so it might be a, a short um, absence. I don't think he would have played at Brentford anyway. Uh, but um, what has probably um, uh, alleviated any of the real genuine concerns for Rodgers is the form of Kelechi Iheanacho, uh, six goals in 11 appearances this season. He came on and uh, did very well against West Ham as well. So hopefully Vardy won't be out too long. Let's just uh, concentrate for a moment on on Jamie Vardy, if we can, actually, because obviously, you know, the hope will be, yeah, he's he's hurt his gluteus. It's very good that you just dropped in gluteus rather than saying anything else uh, there. <laughs> that was good. And hopefully it will be, you know, a, a short-term absence for him but just looking at how important he has been to Leicester obviously you know historically but in particular this season contributing what 34% of the goals this season and he started all but two of the 24 games he is pivotal but Leicester have shown that they they can actually live without him in those two games and obviously in the second half against West Ham yeah, and they've uh, when they've been missing Vardy in the past, they've had uh, other players that have been able to um, step up. I mean, they haven't got uh, a massive amount of uh, options as a number nine. I mean, Rodgers has tried Perez as a number nine, but Kelechi's form this season, which is in stark contrast to last season, certainly um, does alleviate a lot of the, the genuine concern that Vardy's absence uh, would impact dramatically on Leicester this season. Um, he's been such a, a key component to that the start, the first half of the season they've had. His goals, his finishing, but more than that, he's a bit of a talisman. He starts to press at the top and Rogers loves to um, press high up the pitch, gets all his uh, defensive line up as well. And, and uh, Vardy is the catalyst for a lot of that. Um, so regardless of um, Ian Acho's form, he's, he still will definitely be a big loss to them over these coming games. But they're just hoping that the youngster can step up to the plate. And in terms of what's next for Leicester after Jamie Vardy, has the succession planning already started? Is that is that 
high on the priority list. Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's why they spent £25 million on Kelechi and Nacho and they've been so patient with him over the last couple of uh, seasons. I mean, last season, he really looked so short of confidence. It looked like um, it might not work out for him at Leicester and Leicester had wasted some money on him, but uh, they still believe in him. Roger still believes in him and um, he certainly responded this season. He looks a completely different character. Looks There's a spring in his step when you see him walking around the stadium. He's got a smile on his face. That was... Very, very different to last season. So he is the long-term successor to Vardy, they hope. But they're always looking, always looking in the market. Uh, and th- their philosophy is to try and buy in young players and develop them and nurture them, like they have done with Kelechi. And um, they'll be doing that now as well to get ev- even more options to prepare for life without Vardy. And what is the the sort of the timescale for, for Vardy in terms of how long you think he will remain? Because, you know, he's, he's very... Lean, he keeps himself fit, aside from, you know, obviously the tweak in his glute that he's currently struggling with. How long can he go on for? And, you know, seeing as we're in a transfer window at the moment, is he someone that may think, oh, I might just go and have a, a couple of years over in the States? Or would he like another adventure after Leicester? What, what is next for him after Leicester? Well, I think he wants to finish his career at Leicester. Uh, in 2016, when he rejected the move to Arsenal, it was because he wanted to, uh, well, part bit major reason was because he wanted to cement his place as uh, a Leicester City legend at the club and repay the faith that the club showed in him by paying a million pounds for him from Fleetwood Town. So I don't think he's got any other aspirations that but to finish his career with Leicester. And in terms of how long he can carry on going, I mean, the fact that he's come into the professional game so late and didn't really play in the Premier League till he was 26, 27. He hasn't got those early miles in his leg. There isn't the mileage on the clock. And the way he's been looking after himself professionally over the last two or three years, um, I, I think he could carry on for a, a good few years. Now, a lot of his game is based on the pace and his pace will start to diminish over time but he's developed so much more of his game as well to the way he brings other people into the game so I can, I can see him playing a role for Leicester for a good two or three years more. And you mentioned obviously the, the, the origin Fleetwood Town a million pounds does that make him the, the best bargain in Premier League history? He's certainly up there. I mean, I think uh, Riyad Mahrez for £400,000 was a pretty good deal when they sold him for £60 million. <laughs> yes, yeah. uh, That one's hard to beat, to beat but um, in terms of what he's actually given to, to Leicester City on the field um, over the years, uh, absolutely. He is one of the best buys the club's ever made. OK, Rob, um, we are going to talk much, much more about Leicester in a moment's time, but we just wanted to um, start to filter into the, the podcast Uh, some answers to the questions that you have raised on Twitter. And uh, earlier on today, I put out a message and we got a hell of a lot of responses. So I I just want to make sure that we get through them today. Uh, Many of you asked for the latest from David Ornstein on what Arsenal are doing. And uh, this is uh, one of the questions that came in, uh, which was a bullet-pointed question. So thank you very much for sending it in. Uh, The positions that Arsenal are targeting, uh, Mykola Matvienko, any truth in that? Uh, Sabayos departure, any truth in that? And which centre midfielder are we targeting? And straight from the horse's mouth, this is what David Ornstein has sent me on WhatsApp. He loves WhatsApp. Everyone loves WhatsApp during the transfer window. So this is what he has said. Uh, positions last I heard, it was left centre-back, left back 
and maybe a central midfielder. He's uncertain how many of those targets they will get before the transfer deadline. Um, he says he's not quite sure uh, regarding Matt Vienko, but he has previously reported on the fact that he um, was on Manchester City's list of options. Uh, in terms of Ceballos, he says uh, that he understands him still to be unhappy with the situation and he's keen to leave, uh, but uh, he's not exactly sure uh, the terms of his deal at the moment. So that is certainly one to watch before the end of the transfer window. So there is a lot on David Hornstein's plate uh, and he has been peppered with uh, some questions there. But I hope that that has brought a lot of the people that asked about Arsenal a little bit more up to date. Right, let's just check in quickly with uh, Charlie Eccleshare on Tottenham. What's going on there? So another day, another set of rumours linking Tottenham with various strikers. The one that gathered the most traction uh, came last night with reports that William Jose, Brazilian striker, uh, Real Sociedad, was going was gonna to be heading to Tottenham. There were even reports that he was on his way over to London for a medical. Uh, I was told soon after that that these uh, reports were massively premature uh, and that we shouldn't expect a deal to be done. The main reason um, that I was given was simply the fact that Spurs wouldn't meet the valuation uh, that Sociedad were asking, and this has been a recurring theme this window. Um, you know, every club knows Tottenham need a striker desperately, so they're holding out for a lot of money. Uh, Daniel Levy is simply not willing to pay, um, you know, above what he thinks players are actually worth. Uh, as has also become customary, there were links with Gareth Bale. But again, I've been told there's there's nothing in that. Uh, he won't be joining Tottenham, certainly this month. Uh, and then outgoing-wise, Danny Rose has been the big talking point. Um, my understanding here is that the interest from Newcastle is real. Uh, and obviously, Rose has spoken publicly of his desire to, to move back north uh, again at some point in his career. His position, though, has remained fairly consistent. You know, he said in November that he will see out his contract. Uh, and from what I'm told, that remains the case. So unless things change, which they could do over the next uh, week or so, uh, you know, Rose won't be going anywhere. That could change, as I say, because, you know, he hasn't been selected in matchday squads for the last uh, Tottenham's last two matches. There's tension with him and Mourinho, you know, and Spurs have made no secret of the fact they'd like to get rid of him. Um, but it's just whether he's willing to move, uh, a club can, you know, pay the wages that he wants. A few moving parts in that one. So we've got North London covered. We've uh, sorted out Arsenal. We've sorted out Tottenham. I want to get back to Rob and uh, consider Leicester City's place in the place where both Tottenham and Arsenal will hope that they are uh, by the end of the season. And that's obviously Champions League football. I mean, Leicester City look pretty much nailed on for it once again. And that sort of changes the complexion a bit, doesn't it, in terms of whether Leicester City are in fact going to have to sell any of their prized assets. Are they, are they banking on, on Champions League football? Well, it certainly strengthened their armour when it comes to keeping hold of their most talented young players like James Madison and Ben Chilwell. If they can offer Champions League football, I mean, that's what a lot of these lads will be striving for. Of course, money is a big motivating factor, but I think a lot of these lads are motivated by their football aspirations and that is to play at the highest level they possibly can. And in terms of club football... The Premier League and the Champions League are the pinnacle. So if Leicester City can uh, help them fulfil their ambitions, then it uh, sort of obviously reduces their um, desire to move on to what we, uh, would be perceived as bigger clubs. And they are bigger clubs, a lot of these sides, the, the sides that Leicester City are now challenging in the table. But um, that's the level of ambition the club is showing. 
I may well rattle through a few names with you later on just to find out, maybe not if they're going to leave now, but in the summer and hopefully it will be Champions League football and uh, they will stick with the club. But I just wanted to sort of find out a bit more about the the recruitment structure at the club. You know, in the past, we knew how savvy they were ahead of uh, winning uh, the title. How has it changed since then? And has it taken a bit of time for the successes to start to come through? Uh, Very much so. I mean, I think the recruitment has been such a key component of Leicester City's um, rise over the last few years. Obviously, we saw with the likes of Kante, Mares, Vardy, what um, big roles they played in the title success. And they sort of lost their way after that. When Steve Walsh went to Everton, he was the head of recruitment that brought those guys in. Uh, he departed and they lost their way a little bit and they spent a lot of money in the summer of 2016 without much reward. And uh, But they've got back on track in the last couple of years in the transfer windows and they've gone back to the philosophy of trying to find young talent that is affordable, but that have over time um, a, a rising stock, if you like, and their in, their value will only increase as they develop and as they're nurtured. And we've certainly seen that. Um, and Harry Maguire's a big example. They got in from Hull uh, when they uh, were relegated. Uh, I think it was something like £17 million. Pounds, and he went for a world record fee for a defender of £80 million. Pounds. So, you know, obviously his value uh, rose enormously. But they've also brought through some young lads from the academy, like... Ben Chilwell and Hamza Chowdhury and Harvey Barnes. I mean, what they're going to be worth now. I mean, Ben Chilwell is an England left back, so you know that's uh, his his values obviously increased dramatically as well. And and likewise, James Madison. I mean, the pain's just over twenty million pounds to Norwich for him. If he eventually moves on, I'm sure they're going to be getting three times that for um, for what they do. I mean, Leicester City are a club that oh, okay, they have got ambition to challenge the big six, but they're realistic about where their place is in terms of the finances in the Premier League and what they can afford. So they shop in a, a very different marketplace to a lot of their rivals. And so far, they really have been coming out with some uh, great bargains. I mean, Suyunsu, £19 million from Freiburg. A lot of the clubs are looking at him now as well because of his uh, superb displays when Harry Maguire moved on to Man United. And when they signed him, they were doing so in preparation for the inevitability Harry Maguire would move on because Man United's interest was um, so um, historic. It'd been going on for over a year. So they're always planning ahead and they'll be planning ahead now in terms of uh, next summer if one of their, their key players, their top youngsters, does manage to, uh, to, to, to leave the club, they'll have a replacement in mind already. Yeah, that's really interesting. And that, that's actually something that Rafi Honigstein uh, touched on on yesterday's Transfer Daily, that the key element of letting a big gun go for big money is to make sure you've got the replacement in through the door uh, before they leave. And that really obviously then strengthens your hand in the negotiations. I just wanted to sort of find out how much of a, a role Brendan Rodgers is having in the recruitment structure and how ingrained he is in it. Or do they operate like other football clubs in the Premier League and you know in Europe where they, they almost just have the head coach in there and he's replaceable. No, Brendan's hands-on. Um, he attends the recruitment meetings and yet they have those on a regular basis. He's brought in Lee Congerton as the uh, head of recruitment. He worked with him previously at Celtic as well, somebody he knows, somebody he trusts. Uh, the recruitment department at Leicester City, which was established by Steve Walsh uh, many years ago, is still very much the same. And the way they operate, the way they search for talent, 
uh, they will come up with um, a number of names for certain positions that Brendan has identified need strengthening in his squad. They will then scout them. They will then assess their personalities as well. No stone is left unturned. Then they will come up with a short list, which Lee Congleton will then present to Brendan. He'll pick out the ones he wants, that he's interested in. They'll try and get those deals done. Then it's the director of football, John Rudkin, who would do a lot of that negotiating. So um, he's very much involved in the whole process. So that all seems to make sense. Leicester seem to uh, have a handle on their recruitment. One story that has popped up of late is Dimitri Pyatt going back to West Ham. Surely that doesn't make sense. Roshane Thomas. West Ham have been linked to the move for Dimitri Payet and I spoke to a contact in France who confirmed to me that Andre Villas-Boas, the Marseille manager, has no intention of selling Payet during this window. So West Ham could turn their attention to Ryan Fraser, the Bournemouth ringer, but again, I'm led to believe that Bournemouth have no intention of selling Ryan Fraser, especially to a club like West Ham, who are also fighting to stay in the league. So all things considered, it's going to be tough for West Ham to try and persuade players to join the club, especially when you think about the fact that they could be in the Championship in the not-too-distant future. OK, so that's the latest on whether Dimitri Payet actually will return to West Ham. It would certainly be a sensational story. And if he were ever to come back, how long would he actually last at the London Stadium? And before I get back to Rob Tanner, and we're going to go through some uh, potential targets that uh, may fly the fox's nest. I just wanted to check in with uh, Tim Spears, uh, who covers Wolves for The Athletic. And uh, it's all still going very well for Wolves. Uh, they're in action against uh, Liverpool, of course, today. Uh, and the question came in regarding Oliveira and Podence news, which has slowed down. This one uh, came in on Twitter. Any updates for us? And Tim has responded and says they are both still in the works as we speak. Uh, Oliveira apparently has other offers. Podence didn't play for Olympiacos in their last game and that one seemingly is edging closer as he understands it and uh, he did say that uh, things do tend to slow up immediately before a game. And uh, that's an interesting point, I suppose, Rob. You know, when you're chasing transfer lines, you have to be very sensitive to uh, the actual calendar, don't you? And, And not pestering people when they've probably got their eyes elsewhere. Exactly. And January is such a busy month as well in terms of the fixtures and uh, you know people's focus is, is elsewhere. I think Leicester, that's one of the reasons why Leicester um, don't try and do too much business in, in January because it's such an awkward month because you're busy with other stuff as well. It's the middle of the season. It's getting to a very crucial part of the campaign, but also it's very hard to, um, to do any negotiating with clubs because they don't want to weaken their own hand midway through the season as well. And is there, is there any expectation that, that anything is pending at the moment? Well, they are trying to bring in a centre-back. They want um, some cover at centre-back. Uh, Wes Morgan's 36 now, but he's he's looking in great shape. He's covering at the moment uh, for Evans and Suyunsu, so they want to bring somebody else in so they can let Filip Benkovic go out on loan and get more experience, the uh, young Croatian centre-half. Now, the latest uh, name to be linked is Yannick Vestergaard at Southampton. Uh, he does seem to fit the bill and what they're looking for. He's ready-made in the Premier League's experience. He doesn't need any of that adjusting uh, period. He just can come straight in and, and contribute. It, obviously, it would be a massive challenge for him if he does come uh, to break up that partnership of Evans and Siunsu who have been so fantastic in the first half of the season. But uh, that's certainly the sort of character they're looking at. So those are incomings. Let's deal with uh, potential outgoings. And we've mentioned a few of them um, so far. 
But I just wanted to sort of get your definitive verdict on different players who would attract attention from other, in inverted commas, bigger clubs, even though Leicester are third in the table and they are recent Premier League winners as well. They're a pretty big club uh, as it stands. Let's start with Chilwell. What's happening with him? Uh, well, Ben has obviously been attracting attention for a number of years. I can remember Liverpool um, tried to get him and then Arsenal, um, even before he'd even played a first game for Leicester. So obviously being an England left back now as well, he will be in demand. So um, there's, and, and the big plus for Leicester is the fact that so many of their young players are being linked with the, these uh, big clubs. You know, Financially, they are bigger than Leicester. Um, so... Yeah, you know, they see that as a sign that they've got their recruitment right, that everything is going well for them if their players are being linked with other other clubs. So it doesn't really bother them that much. Yeah, and also I suppose it helps in terms of recruitment at a lower level uh, as well, in terms of the, the youth development. If clubs see that there is a pathway there, that helps a lot as well, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And you can see that uh, Ben Chilwell's become an England international at Leicester. James Madison has, you know, Harvey Barnes and Hamza Chowdhury have both been uh, around the under-21 scene, tipped to push on in the future. There is certainly a pathway under Brendan Rodgers because young kids do get a game at Leicester. They do get an opportunity, which they might not do at a Man United or a Man City or wherever at the moment, not in the to the level that they do at Leicester City, certainly. And then there's a progression onto the international scene as well. So there is a, a pathway. Right, next on the list, Madison. Now, I, I think he'd be the one that um, would be in demand the most come the summer. I mean, Leicester City will not sell any of their, their, their top players in January. Historically, they never have. They've always resisted when Riyad Mahrez was being chased by Man City, when Harry Maguire was being chased by Man United. It was only in the summer that they, when they could had time to bring in a replacement and to plan, uh, did they do any deals? And obviously they went for big money as well. I mean, £140 million came into the club on the back of those two deals. Every summer they always sell one player that's moved on. Whether Since the title, it's been Kante, then it was Drinkwater, then it was Mares, then it was Maguire. Somebody will, is likely to move on next summer and Madison the way he's been playing this season will be in demand and he might be the one that... Um, that the big clubs come in and, and decide to pay the big money for. Right, let's rattle through some of the other names. Tielemans? Yeah, well, I, I think with Tielemans, uh, when he was available at Monaco, um, Tottenham had a little sniff around him, but d- decided not to pay the money. So I can't see how that would have changed too much because, again, Leicester paid um, £32 million for him. So they, uh, they would want a big uh, increase on that if they are going to be tempted to sell. So I, I think he'd be unlikely. And Didi? Now, he's one that Leicester City would fight to keep. I think his absence through injury uh, recently has uh, shown how important he has become. Uh, fantastic signing from, uh, again, Kenny's just um, blossomed under Brendan Rodgers into not just a destructive midfielder, but an all-round midfield player. And uh, now I think he would, they would desperately want to keep him. Pereira? Well, Pereira, yeah, he's been linked with a number of clubs because of his form. But again, you know, he's come in... And, and made such a big impact, but he was available before, and none of these clubs went for him. So it's whether how much they 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 were willing to change their mind and admit that they you know made a faux pas not going for him before when he was uh, at Porto. So he's been a great signing. I don't think it's likely he'll be moving on anytime soon. And he's only arrived relatively recently, but obviously his performances have have made him um, you know a, a potential target. Is is Soyuncu? Is is he likely to? To leave soon? 
Now, I don't think he's likely to leave, but again, I, I think Leicester City will know there'll be inquiries about him uh, because of his form this season. When he first came in, he was very rough and raw. He had this philosophy that he had to win every ball and therefore he was making mistakes and committing himself. But he's cut all that out now. He really has um, settled down under Brendan Rodgers. Brendan Rodgers is getting the best out of him. And I'm sure there'll be clubs uh, who are in need of centre-back cover, like Man City, that will be looking at Sionza going, how did we let this guy go, get slipped through our net? And it's you know, Le Leicester's uh, gain and their loss. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if somebody did make an inquiry about him. Right, Rob, time has beaten us, but I really appreciate uh, your time. And I'm sure everyone is now fully genned up on uh, Leicester City and good luck for the remainder of the season. I'm sure we will check in with you once again uh, on the Transfer Daily. And, of course, for people who want to uh, hear more about Leicester City, there is the 5,000 to 1 podcast. Just give us a, a brief synopsis of, of what that's all about. Yeah, well, we've recorded it today with Matt Elliott, uh, former Leicester City captain and legend. Uh, he's been uh, regaling us with his not only his thoughts on the victory over West Ham and the upcoming fixtures for Leicester, but a few little tales from within the camp from back in the day. Brilliant, Rob. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah, do check out that podcast and a whole variety of club-specific podcasts on The Athletic. Uh, everyone is covered. Uh, and I just wanted to give you a very brief update on Watford. Many people have been asking for an update on incomings. No news, I'm afraid, as we speak. But potentially, just look this evening uh, as to whether Isaac's success plays against Tranmere. If he doesn't, that will probably give you a clue as to the fact that he's being wrapped in cotton wool and being prepared to go out on loan. I've heard a couple of championship clubs are in for him and I will update you as soon as I know any more. Now, thank you very much for listening to this latest edition. And as a bonus, you've got all the way to the end. If you haven't yet subscribed to The Athletic, uh, there is a special offer for you for simply listening to the podcast. If you enter the discount code UKPOD, you will get 40% off and you will become a fully-fledged subscriber to The Athletic. We will be back tomorrow for the Transfer Daily. Hope you've enjoyed today. See you tomorrow. Music.